Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week that we read back some messages you've sent into the show account, uh, which is, by the way, contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. If you ever want to get in touch to share something interesting, if you have feedback on a recent episode, or if you just want to say hi, uh, uh, tell us your thoughts about the show or anything else, get in touch. Contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. We have a bunch of uh, messages in response to our series about whistling, and I think we should kick right off with this message from Joe. Rob, do you mind if I read this one? Go for it. Okay, this is Joe, just J-O, not like me. I've got an E on there. So Joe says, hello and good day. I was whistling while listening to Whistling Part 1 until you mentioned that you'd cover some of the superstitions about whistling. It just so happens that a lot of Southeast Asians believe that whistling attracts unwanted attention from supernatural beings, especially since it's currently the seventh lunar month, a.k.a. ghost month. 
Although you've done many spooky episodes, I don't think I've ever heard the Hungry Ghost Month mentioned on the podcast. In case you haven't heard about it, let me give you a short introduction. The seventh lunar month is when the gates of hell are opened, and ghosts are allowed to roam the earth. For 30 days, spirits wander the mortal realm in search of entertainment and sustenance. This month is considered pretty inauspicious, and people in places like Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan will often avoid being outside at night for fear of running afoul of mischievous spirits. Throughout the month, it's not uncommon to see offerings of food placed by the side of the road for hungry ghosties. It's only polite that pedestrians avoid stepping over these offerings or getting too close to them, as this might disrupt any feasting spirits. Malaysia and Singapore also have a tradition of setting up stages where performers are hired to sing and act for their invisible floaties. For this reason, the first few rows of chairs in the audience of any such stage are to be left empty in case these supernatural friendos want to take a seat and enjoy their foray back into the mortal world. Some places only celebrate the Hungry Ghost Festival, which is the 15th of the 7th month. It's the 12th of August in 2022. It's a day when food, joss sticks, paper money, prayers, and rituals are offered up to appease the restless roaming spirits. It's also common to see lights and candles placed on the side of the roads as it is believed to help guide the spirits back into hell. There are a slew of superstitions related to Ghost Month. Loud sounds, like whistling, are believed to attract spirits. It has always been discouraged in Southeast Asia, but even more so during this spooky month. Other superstitions include not looking back over your shoulder to see if someone is yelling your name. This is because Taoists slash Buddhists believe that there's a tiny invisible flame on each shoulder and on your head, creating a triangle of fire. This protects you from spooky encounters, but if you turn your head and look back over your shoulder, you will extinguish one of the flames, and this will open you up to hauntings slash ghostly things. Despite the spookiness of the whole month, Valentine's Day is celebrated on the seventh day of the seventh month. This day, known as Chi Si, is about the tale of the cowherd and the weaver girl. They had a forbidden romance and were cast to opposite sides of the heavenly river. But every year on uh, Chi Si, a bridge of magpies forms over the river and allows the lovers to reunite for a brief moment. Anyway, Ghost Month in 2022 lasts until August 27th. Until then, whistling, especially at night, is not encouraged lest a lost ghost follow you home and take up residence in your abode. Stay spooky and stay safe. Live long and prosper. Joe. Uh, wow, what a wonderful email. Thank you yeah. so much, Joe. That, that was fantastic. Yeah, those are some close encounters of the spooky kind for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we've I guess we we've spoken a little bit about um, hungry ghosts in the past, but yeah, we've never talking uh, we never uh, spoken about uh, about this month. So yeah, this was a wonderful email. This is exactly the kind of uh, of stuff I love to hear from listeners. Now, I guess this episode won't come out until after the Hungry Ghost Festival, which Joe says is going to be on the twelfth of August. Uh, but you still got the rest of the month to 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 play around on the spooky side. True. And hey, on August 12th, the Weird House Cinema is just by happenstance going to be a really cool Taiwanese magical fantasy adventure film. Mm, oh, yeah. All right. Here's another one. This one comes to us from Phil. 
Phil writes in and says, hi, Robert and Joe. From the moment I saw the topic of this week's episodes, I knew that I would want to write in. Whistling is something that has been very near and dear to me for a long time. I first learned to make a single monotone sound when I was seven. I thought I was doing it wrong for a little while, and that's why I was monotone, because my grandfather always used to whistle by pulling his lower jaw in and rounding his lips, almost like he was about to play a flute. I believe he would also suck air in to make the noise rather than experience spell it, but don't quote me on that. I was always fascinated by this method and never managed to replicate it myself. Apart from wishing to chime in with this bit about my grandfather's irregular technique, I also wanted to bring up something with regards to my own whistling. I am physically tongue-tied. I have encountered one other person in my life that is tongue-tied, and they claimed to not be able to whistle because of it. I, on the other hand, love to whistle. I do it constantly and can even employ a bit of vibrato and possibly something that resembles double-tonguing for really fast sections. It is a great way for me to, quote-unquote, sing songs with female vocals or no vocals at all. Whistling is something I think I am quite good at. However, based on this one other person, I am curious why I can whistle with my tongue tied down to the bottom of my mouth, but she couldn't. I'm also afraid that should I ever get my tongue tie cut so that I can actually do things normal people can, the, uh, like lick an ice cream cone or blow bubbles with bubble gum, it will have an adverse effect on this thing that I love. However, maybe it won't. Don't know and too afraid to try. Thank you for all of the episodes. You guys were the first podcast show that I ever listened to. I obviously haven't stopped and have no intention to do so anytime soon. All the best, Phil. P.S. Some of my favorite songs to whistle. Think of Me from Phantom of the Opera, sung by Sarah Brightman. Ship to Wreck by Florence and the Machine. I love that song. That's a, That goes on a lot of my playlists. Oh, I don't know that one. I, I know Think of Me. I know Phantom. Breathe by Michelle Branch and Bend Not Break by Vitamin String Quartet, a string quartet cover of a dashboard confessional song. <laughs> I am also trying to teach myself the whistling Caruso by Andrew Bird from the end of the movie The Muppets 2011. This is proving to be challenging. Andrew Bird is a is a mighty whistling musician. Uh, some uh, another listener got in touch about Andrew Bird songs that have whistling. A number of them, uh, a lot of them do. Oh yeah. By the way, I just in case anybody out there was as confused as me at first, I I was not familiar with the idea of uh with the idea of tongue tie as an actual physical condition uh in the mouth. It's I'd always heard tongue tied as like a metaphorical expression meaning like not knowing what to say. Uh, but tongue tie is a real physical condition, also known as ankyloglossia, and it, uh, according to the the Mayo Clinic's page on it, it's basically a condition that restricts the tongue's range of motion. Quote: With tongue tie, an unusually short, thick, or tight band of tissue, the lingual frenulum, tethers the bottom of the tongue's tip to the floor of the mouth, so it may interfere with breastfeeding. Someone who has tongue tie might have difficulty sticking out his or her tongue. Tongue tie can also affect the way a child eats speaks or swallows. And it also says that uh, sometimes this condition might require surgical procedures for correction, but other times it doesn't cause enough problems. uh, So it's just left how it is. All right. Well, thanks for writing in, Phil. Okay, here's a message from Randy uh, reporting from Mexico. 
saying uh, that they, they just finished our, our uh, part three of our whistling series and says, quote, you were mentioning the idea of whistling as a form of contempt and that it might have been a practice in olden days. I think we were talking about uh, those papers saying that like in the English theater, for example, you would whistle to show like, I don't like what is being said. Oh, in fact, that also goes back to Roman times, the idea that there would be shepherd whistles in the audience if they didn't like what a speaker was saying. And I guess we we were saying that it didn't we hadn't encountered that in American culture. Mm. Uh, you know, if an audience whistles, that usually seems to be a sign of approval rather than disapproval. It's like, yeah, keep going. Yeah, uh, part of in, a very thunderous applause. Yeah, exactly. But Randy says, "Well, let me take you once again to Mexico, where you can still hear disapproving whistles among crowds alongside booing. It usually mimics the way you would cuss at someone. Picture the equivalent of an fu in Spanish." And then that is transposed to whistling. And then Randy shares a video of a cockatoo uh, demonstrating what this sounds like. So it is the, yeah, so it is the, uh, the straight up Spanish phrase that is the equivalent of the English FU, but it's like whistled in the same way that I, I demonstrated in one of our whistling episodes that I could sort of whistle the phrase, um, hello, nice to meet you. And people would basically be able to know what I was saying, or at least a lot of, a lot of people might be able to figure it out just by the intonation of the whistling, uh, you, you can do the same thing with vulgar phrases. So uh, according to Randy, this happens in, in uh, unhappy Mexican audiences. Hmm. All right, this next one comes to us from Jamie. Uh, oh, an important bit of context. The subject line of this one is the strange death of whistling Scotland. Ah, all right. Well, Jamie writes... Dear Robert and Joe, thank you as always for the stimulating podcast. I've been greatly enjoying your series on whistling. And while hearing about the decline of whistled languages around the world, I thought, when was the last time I heard someone whistle a jaunty tune? When I was young, whistling was, if not ubiquitous, at least common enough to hear on a daily basis, especially amongst jobs whose practitioners move around a lot during the day with periods of intermittent enforced slackness, builders, plasterers, joiners, that kind of thing. Maybe that time is now occupied by playing with one's phone, and whistling is yet another casualty of the smartphone revolution. Or I may be wrong, and there is a whole genre of whistling TikTok. <laughs> In an aside by this episode, have you ever thought of doing an episode on the world's most difficult language? Of course, language difficulty is a subjective concept and depends upon the native language of the learner. That said, as someone who has learned French, Japanese, and Arabic, and had a go at Russian and Scottish Gaelic, I would say that the latter was actually the hardest. I wonder what would be the optimum combination of difficult features from various languages, the system of tense in aspects of English, the Hanzi ideograms of Chinese, the extensive tones of Vietnamese, the challenging voiced glottal stop of Arabic or Hebrew or the clicks of various Southern African languages might be fun to play around. Keep up the good work, Jamie. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. I mean, I know different languages have different uh, things that present problems. I, I don't know if this is true, but I mean, I've heard it characterized that one of the most difficult things about learning English uh, is the lack of regularity in in the way like uh, uh, grammar and, and word forms work and stuff. English is, is sort of a highly chaotic and uh, irregular language, whereas I think with other things it would be, yeah, you'd have to learn – uh, like if you're not already familiar with tonal languages, I'm sure learning a tonal language from only a non-tonal background has got to be incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, this is a great idea. Uh, certainly, we'd love to. We're, we're all. We would love to come back and do uh, linguistic episodes. So uh, you know, this, this might be an area to consider for the future. Okay, we got one message that was about story machines from Trey, and this one, this one legitimately made me laugh out loud. Uh, <laughs> so remember how in the previous we we were talking about. Uh, when you feed stuff into the story machine that makes it put out not real something that's not really a story, like uh, the ones that uh, instead turn into ads for books or something. Yeah. This was one of those. So Trey says, hi, Rob, Seth, and Joe. I work at a staffing company, and I'm also a big fan of stuff to blow your mind. I used the storymachine.net generator to make a mock ad. The title was part-time jobs, eight-hour shifts. The prompt was, we have good-paying part-time jobs. Below is what the robot wrote. We have good-paying part-time jobs. I get paid $13 an hour. My husband gets paid $12 an hour. But our hours are cut back to eight hours a day. We are only paid for eight hours. We are only paid for the hours we work. We are not paid for the hours we are off. We are only paid for the hours we are working. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. We are only paid for the hours we are working. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. We are only paid for the hours we are at our job. Wow, it kind of kind of got stuck there, didn't <laughs> it? Got it? broken, yeah. <laughs> you destroyed its mind. Trey says, I think you could read the last half where it begins repeating six times uh, the same sentence six times as a droning chant. This sounds like a creepy short story about part-time workers who hate their jobs or are zombies. Thanks, Trey. <laughs> that was pretty great. Um, yeah, there's so many there's so many fun things to do with this uh, with this interface. Uh, and uh, I had not thought about uh, a mock ad, but uh, that's this brilliant. Oh, this may also have been springboarding off the one in the previous listener mail that was a story about the bank that sends its customers to hell. <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. 
no estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we have a little bit of Weird House Cinema uh, mail here to, to look at. Uh, this one, first, first one here comes to us from Dan, the subject, Plan 9 Weird House. Dear Robin Joe, I love this episode. Plan 9 from Outer Space, along with Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, are two movies that I think were custom-made for Weird House Cinema. I loved hearing Joe's personal story about he and his wife fell in love after watching Plan 9 on a bootleg VHS tape in high school. I first saw Plan 9 from Outer Space in college on Turner Classic Movies late at night. This was after I had seen Tim Burton's Ed Wood, which is one of my favorite movies, and I, of course, had heard about how it was consistently ranked as the worst movie ever made, so I was curious to see what it was like. Is it really that bad? I remember thinking that while, yes, the acting is terrible, the dialogue doesn't make any sense, and it's and is overwritten and clumsy, something over there, but I'll be over here, nothing matches. The effects and set design are so 
cheap, the airplane cockpit. But I was still charmed and somewhat entertained by it. Certainly not the worst movie I had ever seen. Which begs the question, something I thought you might go into uh, more discussion. If Plan 9 from Outer Space is really the worst movie ever made, why do so many people still find it fascinating, entertaining, fun to talk about, and is referenced in other forms of media? Shouldn't the worst movie ever made be something no one ever remembers, is boring, is grossly cynical in a commercial sense? Fun fact, Plan 9 has never been on IMDb's bottom 100. I also wondered if maybe the Criswell predicts scene at the beginning and whenever he went on The Tonight Show was what Conan O'Brien was parroting on his original late night show with the recurring segment in the year 2000 where he and a guest made ridiculous predictions about the future. Finally, are you familiar with the song Plan 9, Channel 7 by the British punk proto-goth band The Damned, which according to lead singer Dave Vanian was, uh, was written about Vampira? Link here. They include the link. And then Dan uh, finishes everything out by saying, thank you for the countless hours of podcasting about the strange and the unusual. Future podcasts such as these will affect you in the future, my friends, because that is where we will be spending the rest of our lives. Dan. Uh, that song by The Damned is great. Uh, Channel 9 with Shades of Grey, Too Close But Two Worlds Away. Plan 9, Her Domain, Too Close But Two Worlds Away. Yeah, I don't think I was familiar with this track, but uh, I just I just gave it a, a quick listen, and uh, yeah, uh, I like the vibe here. But uh, regarding the the whole like worst movie ever made thing, I have heard people say that about Plan Nine. I uh, I don't know. Well, I, I hesitate to say this because it is a podcast, and somebody might surface a clip of me saying the opposite. But I think I think I usually shy away from things like the worst movie ever made, unless I'm just trying to be funny. Because I mean, I, obviously. Not only are things like that subjective, I mean, of course, but that seems like a weird thing to even try to say from your own personal point of view, because uh, the badness of a movie encompasses so many different ways of thinking about a movie. Yeah. So, like, what would you really be looking for? Does it mean, like, the movie that made you the most unhappy by watching? <laughs> or You know, it, it's it's hard to figure out what that even really means. Yeah, the worst can cover a lot of ground, and I can think of various examples of films that I'm, I might think of as the worst in the sense that I do not like them. Um, yeah, and and then there are films that I I can't even tell you that I don't like them because I don't remember them, and perhaps yeah. those are the worst because yeah, the, as as Dan alluded to, like the, the, the unmemorable films, films that don't move you one way or another, like those are probably the worst. Those are ones where you just have lost hours of time in your life that you'll never get back. Whereas something like Plan Nine from Outer Space, I mean, it's 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 a riot. It's it's fun to watch. It's I find movies like this thought provoking in ways that um, that 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 quote unquote intelligent films sometimes are not. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a and that's one of the things that keeps coming me it keeps pulling me back to them is that it, it almost the it's almost like the gaps, the flaws in these pictures they. They give you room to, uh, to, to to think creatively about them, to try and stitch together that which is not well connected and so forth. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with all of that. I, I would say that I think Plan 9, people might be tempted to say Plan 9 is the worst movie ever made in a way that I think what they mean is like, it's the war. It's like the most remarkably interestingly bad movie ever made. They're saying it's like notable for its badness in the sense, not like execrable because of its badness. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's it's lovingly bad. Like you can embrace the the quote unquote badness of Plan Nine from Outer Space. Uh, it's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. There there are plenty of films that if you actually had to come up with a list of like what are the worst, like what are, I, I mean, that would just be an unpleasant experience to even try and put together that list of films uh, because there are some real dogs out there. Yeah, I I do remember. I, so I have long been a person who you know my friends knew I loved bad movies, and they would sometimes ask me like, "Well, what's the like worst worst? Not the best worst, but worst worst you've ever seen?" I probably wouldn't still stick by this, but for a long time, I said my answer was a movie called Beaks, which is a <laughs> Spanish uh, horror movie by Rene Cardona Jr. That's a ripoff of Hitchcock's The Birds. Uh, but I remember that in a really like unique and profound way, causing intense physical and psychic pain. Uh, <laughs> I think because of a soundtrack issues, like the I recall, it's been forever since I've seen it. But the I remember the soundtrack was like one excruciating droning high synthesizer note held down for <laughs> for minutes at a time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the film in question, uh, but <laughs> I can imagine where the, if, if you, there's a negative sonic experience uh, tied up with it, uh, that it could certainly a case could be made. I was watching it with some friends, and I remember at one point I was like in such misery, I, I literally like rolled out of my chair onto the floor. But you know, to consider the IMDb uh, bottom 100 ranking, like if you go to that page, uh, and, and I'm looking at it right now, there's some tremendously fun stuff on here. There's there's stuff like Santa Claus versus the Martians. Uh, oh, what else we have? Troll Two is on here. Hobgoblins. Um, lots of stuff. Oh, a battle Battlefield Earth. Is uh, is pretty high or low ranking on the list? Yeah, the movies that get featured on these things, I, again, there there's obviously no like unified objective criteria on mm -hmm. which to judge these things. But the movies that get identified as the worst of all time tend to be maybe not because they're actually the worst, but because they're the worst in the most notable ways. Meaning they're especially entertainingly bad, or they were like. Uh, notorious in some way, like very high profile, uh, like big budget flops or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, to be clear, there are definitely some films on here that I absolutely will not see and <laughs> will uh, go to my you're grave not, having not seen. You're not going to get me to sit down for Super Babies, Baby Geniuses too. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's there's plenty. Of, there's there's some other stuff I, on here I could be talked into. Like, you know, I don't know that I I necessarily uh, need to see. Uh, in the name of the king, a dungeon uh, siege tale. I saw that in theaters. <laughs> oh, goodness, <laughs> it's got Burt Reynolds in it. Oh, that's right. It, it had a an impressive cast, as I recall. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so come back to Plan Nine. I would say Plan Nine from Outer Space definitely not the worst movie ever made, uh, and 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 really uh, ultimately a, a very fun film, and not a boring film at all. Not a dull moment in that film. Okay, one last message from Lawrence. This one also has to do with Plan 9 from Outer Space. I asked people with uh, experience in the film industry, I, I had this this idea that it seems like even bad movies these days 
generally don't have the level of technical incompetence that you see in a lot of bad movies of, you know, the fifties or sixties, uh, the way that, for example, in, in plan nine from outer space, there are just like mismatched day night shots. It cuts randomly mm-hmm. back and forth between them or that, uh, you know, Bell, Bell Lugosi walks out of frame and then he supposedly gets hit by a car, but he's just standing there and you see his shadow falling into frame, not moving. Yep. Yep. So my idea was like movie, there's still tons of bad movies these days, but there's like a baseline level of professionalism in the film industry that usually seems to prevent stuff like that from happening anymore. And that bad movies these days tend to be more failures of creative imagination. Um, but I was wondering, okay, people with experience, what do you think about this? Lawrence says your recent episode on plan nine from outer space was a treat. On the topic of modern bad movies not having technical mistakes, I will chime in with an agree and disagree. I don't know how mainstream Plan 9 would have been at the time, but I can think of some recent micro-budget direct-to-streaming movies available alongside actual studio fare, which contain glaring technical problems. It feels rarer, though, and with anyone able to create basic effects from their computer, the line between poorly executed and error seems blurry. Case in point, any Neil Breen movie. <laughs> that's that's a great example. Rob, I don't know if you're familiar with Neil Breen I was not movies. familiar with him until uh, looking at this email. I pulled up his IMDb page. And, Ooh, uh, that's, hmm. a, that's a rabbit hole, maybe for us one day. Maybe not for the show. They're, they're, they're sort of recent, but... Uh, yeah, I, he has a movie called I am here now in mm. which Neil Breen is sort of a, uh, an all around filmmaker, kind of an Ed, Edward D Wood jr. Sort of guy in that he <laughs> writes, directs and produces his own stuff. Uh, and it, uh, for example, uh, he really likes, I think to make movies where he plays like a hacker, uh, you know, so he does a movie, uh, called double down where he's like, I can hack into any computer in the world anytime with only a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> but he just like sits around in the desert eating tuna cans mostly. And it's, they're, they're very bad. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the modern bad filmmaker is is kind of hard to, uh, to to find. I mean, you 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 have some some standouts. You have stuff like uh, uh, like Birdemic. You have uh, mm-hmm. The Room. Those are great examples of of more recent bad films. But yeah, other times it's a lot more difficult. Like um, I, I saw the the first film that Glenn Danzig uh, directed, uh, Verotica, came out in 2019, and I I wanted it to be worse than it was in a way that was entertaining mm-hmm. and um i was it was just very lukewarm for me like it just wasn't it wasn't enough in in any direction mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so i don't know maybe he will get uh better or worse <laughs> in the next because, will be more because you are neither hot nor cold i will spew you out of my mouth yeah like i've got to end up having some sort of reaction other than boredom uh, with these things. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it comes, comes back to something we often talk about. Like, well, like why, why do we select the films we select for Weird Al cinema? There's, they vary greatly in, in genre and scope and budget and time period, but there's, there's something, there's at least that one thing about the film that's interesting. So you, you got to have like that one performance or that one plot element, or there's got to be something there that is, that is sparking uh, curiosity and, uh, and desire. But anyway, Lawrence, I do agree with you that, yeah, it becomes more difficult to sort out this thing I was talking about when you take into account just truly amateur movies like Neil Breen movies, you know, that are not really being made by professionals. 
Hmm. Oh, and then finally, Lawrence says uh, Lawrence says he was doing some. He was messing around some with the story machines uh, thing, and he wanted to share a couple. One, this one I thought was actually extremely haunting. So the title he gave it here is Flatland, which is also the name of a novel. Did you ever read Flatland, Rob? Ooh, you know, I don't think I ever did. I'm familiar with it by reputation, but that's about it. It's a, it's a geometrical, satirical uh, novel that was by a guy named Edwin Abbott that mm. I read when I was in high school, and uh, I, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, so it, I haven't revisited it since then, but it, it, high school me was impressed. <laughs> so this story goes, title Flatland, a door is graffitied on a wall. It's just a drawing. But when you press on the drawing... It opens. The door is ajar, and you can see the inside. It's a dark and dusty room. There's a single bed in the corner. There's a chair and a desk. There's a broken window. And there's a man in the bed. He's sick. He's dying. The man in the bed is you. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum. Yeah, we're straight up 2001. I love it. Oh, I thought you... <laughs> No offense, I thought for a second you were doing the theme from Independence Day, the Roland Emmerich movie. And <laughs> yeah, I was I like, how gone. does that relate? I don't know, but it's good. I should have gone bum, 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 bum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, that's a pretty good one, Lawrence. That's pretty good, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I think we're going to close up the mailbag for today, but uh, this has been fun, and we'll be back next week to discuss some more listener mail, so keep it coming. We'll, you'll, we'll continue to have some stuff come in about whistling, uh, Weird House Cinema episodes, some upcoming episodes of Note. Uh, so, yeah, write in. Write in about old episodes. Uh, anything is fair game. In the meantime, yes, listener mail publishes on Mondays. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have our core episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind. On Wednesdays, we do Artifact or Monster Fact. And on Friday, well, that's when we set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a weird film. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, 
Get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.